Hey everybody, welcome back to the show. Today's show is brought to you by Impossible Gear. If you're looking to push your limits and do something impossible that's on your impossible list, head on over to impossiblegear.com to get your shirt. They look awesome, they feel great, and anyone who's ever worn it before knows that you immediately learn parkour and get 50% better looking. That's not a guarantee. Our lawyers won't let us say it's a guarantee, but it's sort of a guarantee. Uh, If you guys are looking for the best way to get comfortable while being and doing something uncomfortable, Impossible Gear is the best way to go. So go on over, check out impossiblegear.com, get a shirt, and when you do, go do something impossible. Don't just watch Netflix. Go actually do something impossible and take a photo and send it in, and I'd love to feature you on the site. All right? Cool. Today's guest is Michael Wardian. This guy is a monster. I met him in Antarctica while he was setting a world record down there for marathons. That's the starting point. He's one of the most prolific runners out there. He's run over 50 races this year, including the Antarctica Ice Marathon, the Barclays Marathon, and the Hard Rock 100. On top of this, he has a full-time job as a shipbroker. He has a family, two kids, and a dog. So if you're thinking you have excuses, this episode will take them away from you. Okay? I really enjoyed this episode with Mike. He's super down to earth. If you didn't know, he was super good at running marathons. Uh, You just think he's some really nice neighborly guy with really long hair and a big red beard. So that's about it for the intro. Uh, I think you're going to enjoy this one. Let's get it. All right, and we're live. Uh, today's guest is Mike Wardian. He's a shipbroker, a world traveler, and he might be the most prolific ultra runner out there today. Mike, welcome to the show. Hey, man. How are you? Great to be on. Thanks for <laughs> um, thanks for making the time and overcoming uh, the technical difficulties to uh, to let us talk. Well, it's been uh, one of the more interesting interviews I've had to schedule because I feel I was telling you before the show. <laughs> I uh, I feel like I travel a lot, and I feel like I run in a lot of different places. And you, sir, you you put me to shame badly. Um, I was going through uh, your race schedule this year and uh, off your website, and I don't know if this is fully up to date. I counted. It is not. Okay, so I counted not. 34 races that were on the schedule for this year. Do you know if that that's the correct number? No, it's not. I just finished my 50th race of the year uh, this past weekend. Jeez. Yeah, man. It's and, crazy. And we're only 50, we're only like, what, 49 weeks into the year? Yeah, I finished it. It was my 50th race, and it was my 20th marathon. So, this year? Uh, this year, yeah. So, for context, most serious marathoners will run two or three big races a year where they're like training up for it, um, getting ready for it, and then trying to perform at their peak. And I think what's insane about what you do is the sheer number of races is one thing, but then also the types of races you do because you do everything from ultra marathons, 100Ks to like a you'll bounce right back and do a 5K the next day or something like that. Um, yep. I was, I was going through just to give – people uh, a brief uh, this is a very short snapshot 
of your resume. Um, we actually met in Antarctica uh, when you were doing the your own little 777 thing with uh, Richard Donovan, who's the race director. But uh, you were doing seven marathons on seven continents in seven days with a group uh, the same time that we were down in Antarctica doing the uh, 100K Ultra. Uh, yep. Later on, you also did the Barkley Marathons, which is the number one marathon that people keep asking about if I've done. And uh, <laughs> I always bring up you and say, my, my buddy Mike is super fast, and he runs all the time, and he made – you did well, – how many loops did you get out of the five? I got none. You got I none? Got I no thought you loops. got one. I got – well, I made it around, but I didn't make it in time, so oh. it doesn't count for anything. So yeah. I got no loops. I got no loops. Yeah. So, yeah, don't get lost <laughs> for like – if you if you want to make it, don't get lost and don't make a mistake every time you have a chance to. If there's a fifty fifty chance to make a mistake, I I made every single wrong choice. It was like against all odds. Okay, so we're, we're we'll have to get into that for sure. Um, oh yeah. But on top yeah. of that, you you ran the Gobi uh, Ultra uh, Desert Marathon, which is a four hundred k race. Um, yep. And you have all sorts of records: running with a stroller, running as Elvis, um, all sorts of things. <laughs> Yes. And so the crazy oh so basically let's just get into your story a little bit because I want to hear uh you didn't start running till after college and I want to know what transforms a normal person uh as normal as you can be into someone who's running 50 mar- you know 50 races a year all sorts of types of races um crazy distances really hard difficult things that are even hard to get into how did you get into running where did that start and um you know, where was yeah. the genesis of all this? Yeah, I mean, I think that's that's a great place to start. I mean, uh, for people that don't know my story, I was um, a lacrosse player growing up. So I played the uh, di- Division One lacrosse at Michigan State University, uh, was an attack man, so kind of not the typical guy that likes to run uh, all over the um, but I, um, I was always pretty good at it. Like if we had to do like a training run for lacrosse, you know, we had to run six minute mile, I think, uh, my, in my high school. And I was one of the fastest guys to be able to do that, but just kind of did it to stay fit for lacrosse and didn't really, um, discover my passion for running until it really, it wasn't even something that I, I thought it would be um, something just to stay fit when I stopped playing lacrosse and kind of just picked it up. Um, cause I like to go out and have a good time with friends and, and just, you know, kind of wanted to keep the weight off and, and I was used to being an athlete. So, you know, when you're playing at that kind of level, you know, you're used to working out like four or five hours a day and it yeah. felt pretty easy to only have to go out and run for an hour or something. <laughs> and, you know, it was like, wow, this is, this is pretty awesome. Like, you get such a big benefit for such a short investment of time. And, um, obviously as I've progressed in running, I realized that, you know, running's like a full 24 hours a day type of, uh, commitment. And there's really no off time if you want to be at the, the, t- the upper levels. But when I first started, you know, it was like 45 minutes and you're all good and it's super cheap. Like I was really poor and didn't really have, uh, didn't have a, you know, just typical college kid, you know, didn't have a lot of money and, uh, so it was something I could get into and, um, keep, keep fit and, and stay active. And then, um, I, my buddy, um, Vince voice and he was in, I was in a fraternity also at Michigan state Pi Kappa alpha. And, um, 
went home with him for uh, Easter one year, and his mom had just finished the Boston Marathon. And uh, it was the first time I had met anybody that um, <laughs> that was a marathon runner that didn't look like, you know, you and I now, right? Mm-hmm. Like, you're super, you know, chiseled and kind of grisly and um, seasoned, you know? <laughs> she just was like, that's just Vince's mom. And it gave me like, <laughs> and it was like, she's just a regular lady. It was like, but she was, you know, she was powerful. She'd run a bunch of marathons and she had her, you know, finishers medal. And, uh, I remember seeing that unicorn, uh, for the Boston, if, if you guys haven't ever seen it, it's a really cool looking medal. And it was like, you know, shiny metal and tin, like, uh, uh, one of those space blankets, um, she had like at her house and it was just, like, man, if his mom can do it, I can totally do that. And uh, it was, you know, because when you see it on TV, it's only the guy. You, they only ever show you the guy in the front that's winning. <laughs> and, you know, he, he's, he's like a skeleton, basically. Right. Yep. So, like, I was like, oh, that's, you know, that guy, you know. You, have, the you time, have to be from Kenya in order to win that race. Well, yeah. Like, <laughs> I mean, or like even when I was growing up and it was like wild world of sports and you would see someone like that I know now, like Ann Trayson or something, you know, mm-hmm. they're just like hardcore you know and it's funny because you know i'm friends with all those people now and i know they're just real people you know but when when you're you're seeing it from afar and through the media you don't realize um that you know there are uh you know fifty thousand people behind that person (laughs) across the line and and a lot of the people are just regular regular people and and they do this because they love it and um, they're not professional. And so it gave me the inspiration to think that I could maybe just maybe if I train for it, do it myself. And um, so I decided I, that day that I wanted to run the Boston Marathon and that's changed the course of my life. Like I trained for it. I um, didn't realize that you actually had to qualify for the Boston Marathon. If, <laughs> if your audience doesn't know you do, um, and so this was in the 90s, you know, before you could just apply online. So I sent away a self-addressed stump envelope um, to the BAA. And I got back in uh, the little pamphlet, you know, like you get a handout, like mm-hmm. kind of if you were like at an expo or something. And uh, it said like, you know, here, you know, put your name. I filled it all out. And then I got to the part where it said like, you know, put in your qualifying time. And I was like, wait, what? Like, <laughs> no, I, I, I don't want to. I don't want to, uh, I don't want to run any other marathon. I want I, I run wanted to one. run the, yeah, I want to run the Boston marathon. And then I, at that, at that point I was like, Oh crud. Um, so then I was like, well, if I'm going to run another marathon, I should do it somewhere. If something doesn't go well, um, I was living in DC, um, at that point And I, um, well, I was actually at school at that point when I decided, but then I moved back to DC after I started training for it and got the envelope and everything and, um, signed up for the Marine Corps marathon. This was still before, like, you know, you had to sign up like three years ahead of yeah. these races. Like you could kind of just sign up like, <laughs> you know, whenever and you could get in and, and now it's like a whole skill set just to be able to get into some of the marathons, like you were saying, or some of the races in general, like there's a whole you know, you have to do a pledging system or something. So now, um, I signed up and I, I qualified, uh, on my first go. Like I knew I had to run under three hours and 10 minutes. And, 
Uh, I was lucky enough to come in in three hours and I think six or eight minutes, so a couple minutes ahead. Uh, and then I decided that I would run Boston, and I decided at that point that I would try to break three hours because I was pretty close. And you know, all all the people that I read about, you know, you become a real runner and in my head for some reason if you run sub three hours and uh, <laughs> i ran i ran two hours and 54 minutes at boston and i nice. just got hooked yeah i just like uh, the energy if you uh, joel have you run boston before? i have or? i have not run boston but um, yeah i wanted to i want to actually um what how old are you when you did that I was uh, 1997, so I was 23, I think. Okay, so you're 23. So you just went out and ran it, and uh, I know people that have trained for like five years, ten years, you know, to like get ready. And so like you just kind of – did you know that you were like you had a – you? I don't want to take Uh, anything away from like you training hard, but – no, through, yeah. Through through lacrosse and everything, like there's people that only train for years and years to finally qualify for Boston, and you're like, oh yeah, oh, yeah I, uh, I'm I'm gonna just give this a shot. Like, did you realize pretty way, uh, pretty quickly that you were like, oh, I'm I got some skills here. I can I can I can do pretty well. Uh, yes and no. Like, I think um, yes, I knew that I had the the um, skill set to be able to train, mm-hmm. uh, and that. Uh, but I wasn't training a ton. I was training maybe like 45, 50 miles a week, which felt like a lot going from nothing. And I thought like, this is, this is crazy. And then when I ran the 254, uh, I realized like, wow, I mean, I, I was talking to other guys and I, my goal really at that point was there was a local running team here called the Pacers running club. And after I ran the 254 for, um, for Boston, I decided that I wanted to make that team. And so that was like my first goal. And that's kind of how I think it's progressed for me as I just keep setting these uh, more and more ridiculous challenges for myself. Mm-hmm. And, and the next challenge was to um, qualify for the for the Pacers running club. And uh, to do that, um, you know, after I ran the 254, I thought it was a big deal. Right. And yeah. so I go into the local. <laughs> yeah, I did. And, uh, I was like, Oh yeah, look at me, you know, sub three. And then I went to the local running store. And of course now knowing what I know is like those stores are just hubs for like just badasses, Right. Mm-hmm. So like, um, you know, everybody in there from the guy that's, you know, just come out of college or whatever is super fast and, and, and really knowledgeable. And, you know, you walk in and you're like, Oh, I ran 254. And they're all like, <laughs> just start laughing you know they're holding back their laughs like you know like come on man like that's like i remember when i ran my first (laughs) yeah yeah it's like you know it's it's good it's it's definitely a good time and you know i there's some days where i'd take a 254 for sure Mm -hmm. um you know and including like this past weekend i was like wow i don't i don't know if i'll break three hours but um there's um there's a different level. And so like it was, they were kind enough to be like, you know, didn't laugh me out of the store and were like, yeah, yeah. You know, you're not really fast enough to make the team now, but um, you know, we have this track workout once a week and you know, it's a great way to get faster. And so I, I I just started going, man. Mm -hmm. And, And I think that's the nice thing about running is it doesn't really care who you are or what you've done in the past. If you're willing to, uh, make a commitment to it and, and to put the time in, like it's a pretty, 
straightforward progression as long as you don't get injured. So, um, if you're, if you can do the, the training and you can handle the distance and the pacing and, um, you know, I would, I would be afraid to go on some of the group runs with the guys just cause they were such badasses and, mm-hmm. um, you know, but I would go and just try to hang on and eventually, you know, you're hanging on and then eventually you're in the front group and then eventually you're the guy that everyone's trying to hang on and, um, you know, and I think that's, what's so cool about it is, um, th- there's hope for everyone. You know, I didn't expect to, to be doing what I'm doing now. Like I never had a, a desire to be a professional athlete in running. Like I wanted to play lacrosse and, um, just kind of got into this by chance, but then I found out how much I loved it. And I loved the, the, ability to see a direct correlation between the amount of work you do and the kind of results you get. And also this, the opportunity to travel, like that's something that's always been one of my passions and to be able to combine that with, um, the physical activity and, and being able to explore under your own kind of kinetic powers, Mm -hmm. something that I just relish, man. I think that's one of my favorite things in the world is jumping off a plane, putting on a pair of shoes and just going out and kind of learning about where you are, um, without anyone else, like acting as a filter for that. Like when you're running, no one gives you a, no one knows if you're American or Kenyan or Canadian (laughs) or, or Russian really. I mean, there, you you fall into a different category. All of a sudden you just become part of the, the fabric of wherever you are and you get to see stuff you never get to see under other circumstances. When you're in a car, even on a bike, you're kind of separated, um, yeah. But when you're 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 down in it, you're just part of it and you kind of get to see a glimpse behind the curtain and I love that. There's a there's a piece to the the the, the reason I I gravitated so much towards running my story is a little bit similar in, in the way that I was in doing other athletic activities and I ran out of things to do after after college and um the simplicity of what running What were you into? I, I was, didn't I Yeah, I did um I did uh, basketball for a while, and then I did uh, – I, I, all of my friends were on the track and field team, but I didn't want to run because I didn't like running, and so I threw javelin. Uh, <laughs> oh, no way. That's cool. <laughs> yeah. So, um, But I, I specifically didn't like running for a long time, and I didn't run, uh, I don't think, more than a 5K until I was like 23, 24. And, um, but being able – the – the no excuses aspect of running where it's like, Oh, you just have to have your shoes and then you need to go outside and keep going. And then the progression, uh, ability of, of the sport where you can just say, okay, I'm going to run one mile. Like I, anyone can approach it. They can say, I'm going to run one mile Then you can run a 5k. Then you can run a 10k. Then you can run a half marathon, marathon ultras. And you really go as it starts to, once you start looking into ultras, you can go as far as you want. Like there's, you think, oh, you ran a hundred mile. Okay. There's a, you know, a seven day race that you can do. Like it, it, it's pretty much infinitely ex- expandable. And that's one of the things I liked about it. Cause, uh, I didn't have to start off with these huge ultra marathon goals. I started off with like trying to run a 5k and then it, it grew from there. And, um, we have a little bit different backgrounds, but it's funny to see the same connections come out. Um, Oh, for sure, man. And that's, what's so cool about it. Like really it is like, and what's so interesting too. And you probably get this is like when you first start out, like you're like, that's like, I started out wanting to run a marathon, but like, 
most people, you just start out, you just want to run around the track once, mm-hmm. right? And that's like so powerful, right? Like I remember the first time like I ran around the track and and like was in control. Like you know the difference, right? Yeah. Like you're not you're like I could go further. Like that is so powerful. Like and I, I remember like the first time I ran a fifty miler, I was like, I'll never do that again. That was crazy. <laughs> crazy right and then and then you like something clicks and you're like but i could maybe do more and then you run a hundred miler and you're like wow like i can't believe i just did that that's that's insane like that you know you under your own power like were able to cover that distance and then you're like you realize that it's just arbitrary like if it's a hundred miles like it could be a hundred and five miles and then all of a sudden you're like I like this year, like doing that 400 K, like that was like, so outside of what I thought was possible. And then I realized as I was doing it, like I, I was suffering. I you know had some food issues and actually like have had kind of some stomach issues all year, but they were super, um, consolidated and just right at the surface that whole time. And I just suffered for five days, but it made me realize like I can t- do so much more than I thought I could. And I'm capable of so much more. Like why, why have I been limiting myself? And I feel like the same thing, like when we were in Antarctica, like you have this idea in your head, like Antarctica is so unforgiving and it really is. But if you're prepared, like those guys crossing it, like those British guys that we met, Mm -hmm. like, like I so want to do that now. And I never (laughs) thought like, I never thought like I, I had a, I've been always afraid of, um, I just don't like the cold. Like it yeah. doesn't, it's not something I love. Like some people really like it. And after doing that, and that's why I forced myself to do the North pole marathon in 2014. And after doing that and realizing, you know, that I can excel, it's like opened up a whole nother part of the world and another, uh, a bunch more challenges. And so that's something where, I was just like, why did I, it's almost, you know, when you're avoiding something, you know, you're procrastinating doing something and then you do it and you're like, why didn't, why was that such a big deal? And, um, you know, so I, I, I find that, you know, there's, there's so much that we're capable of. And a lot of times like the biggest limiting factor for us achieving stuff is our own, uh, idea of what it's going to be like. And a lot of times that doesn't actually match with the reality and even, if it does, you know, we're more capable than we think we are. Yeah, the two things there, though. One, when you said you were in, you know, to the 400K and you were suffering. And a lot of times you think, okay, suffering is terrible and it's it's not fun. You have stomach issues, you know, your feet, your knees, every, yeah, yeah, everything yeah, yeah. hurts. But you also realize you can suffer. Like you can bear it. Like you can bear, you can bear that type of pain. And there's something that... I don't, I don't know if it's like a sadistic thing in me or what, but it, there's something about knowing uh, that you can handle the suffering when it comes that is really reassuring and helpful both in other races uh, as reference points and just in other things in life because you're like, you, you know that you can take it. You know you can take a beating and it's going to suck and you're going to be sore and tired afterwards, but you know you can get back up and you survived it and you can keep doing something else. Um, completely. And, and then, yeah. And, and it really, it translates to everything. Like you're saying, I mean, it's like, you can use that. And what I love about, uh, having the fitness that we, you, that you gain and that kind of mental fortitude also is 
it applies. Like, you know, we had our youngest son has epilepsy and, and like just knowing that, that I have the ability to stay up for like five nights in a row, like, <laughs> like without sleep, like I realize, like, you know, there's, you know, people worry about, you know, getting eight hours or whatever, like you and I know, like you can function. And I think this is what, you know, you see some of the military services, like people and you can function on two hours. You can function on 10 minutes sleep. You know, you can, you can do incredible things if you're forced to do it, but most of us don't ever go outside of what, uh, is normal and, and know what we're capable of. And so that's something that you can use, you know, to be able to make the hundredth call to the next client, you know, if you need to do that, um, and give you the fortitude to withstand the tongue lashing if you do something wrong and, um, to apply it to all aspects of your life. And, and that's, and I think that's so awesome. Like we have like this incredible amount of fitness, but you can use it for whatever you want, you Mm -hmm. know? And that's, I don't know, super powerful to me. I, I want to touch on the other thing that happens when you get yourself out in the situations, you find, okay, I'm capable of a lot more than I thought I was. But I, I think I'm like out here on my limit and then I look around and then there's a bunch of other people that are like killing it way better than me. And you, you mentioned the guys that um, we met in Antarctica and I just want to tell the story real quick. You can correct me if I'm off on this, but uh, while we were down at Union Glacier, which is sort of the adventure hub for Antarctica, it's about 500 miles outside the South Pole, um, there was a group of British – uh, like a British expedition that walked once from one side of Antarctica to the South Pole to the other side of Antarctica. And it took them, I want to say, like 90 days or something like that. It was, it was, yeah, it crazy... was a little less, I think, okay. but it was still a long time. I think it was, for some reason, in my head, it was like 68 days or okay. something, but it was a long time, like long enough where it's not a joke. Yeah, like I... you're not. You're not like just zipping through like you're out there. <laughs> and so so they're just like out there for days, uh, self-supported, all that. And then they come back to camp. I want to say the day of day before the marathon, day before Correct. the marathon. And then yep. three of the guys, I believe it was three. They said, yep. OK, we just walked across Antarctica. Let's let's just run this marathon, too. And then I want to say two of them ran like sub 330 marathons uh they did well and one of them at least one of them broke the old course record yeah if like, you if you wouldn't have been there you would have, you would have got the course record no the the dude yeah if if we wouldn't have been there uh like i think it was myself and then the um, triathlete and then um the canadian and then i think one of the guys was fourth and he like borrowed shoes. Like I'm not sure if he borrowed my <laughs> shoes or somebody's shoes. Like because his stuff was all trash. Like it was one of the most incredibly cool things I've ever seen. And 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 that's just one of those things. Like you you think, you know, I'll tell people I ran like an ultra marathon in Antarctica, and they're like, "Whoa!" And I'm like, "You don't understand." Like. <laughs> the things that when you go to those places, you find people that are doing way more than you think. That like that I think I could ever do. And just seeing those guys do that, like on a whim, they didn't even know the marathon was going. They just kind of like, yeah, sure. I'll give it a shot and see how it goes. Um, that's with just, frostbite. It, 
Like, yeah. the one dude's nose was, like, about to fall off. <laughs> like, it looked really bad. Like, I mean, he was well-deserved to, like, and, and what was so cool, and you probably saw this, is, like, when those guys come back from one of those expeditions, like, they have, like, a huge, like, uh, meal for them because they've been eating, like, out of their out of their bags for, like, you know, two and a half months, and yeah. they have, like, you know, candlelight dinner and wine and, can- <laughs> and, and, and like, you know, fresh vegetables and fruit and, uh, like those guys had meat, you know, if it was me, they'd probably have like, you know, what, you know, big mushrooms or something like yeah. whatever you like, basically like your drink, like your last supper. Right. So those guys could have just eaten that last supper and been like when the, the, you know, starting time was coming, just like thought, eh, I'm just going to roll back over. Like I've, yeah. I've, I've had to break camp for 60 some days. I'm, I'm kind of done with that. You know, I'm just going to sleep in a little more, maybe get some all you can eat breakfast, play settlers of Catan and just call <laughs> it a day. Right. And no, those guys busted out and just crushed it. It was so impressive to me. And, and that goes back to what you said earlier about everything being arbitrary, you know, like these, these distances that people put on themselves or these, uh, these limits that you think you have, it's just it's who says a marathon is the perfect distance that you need to train for? Who says like twenty six point two or forty two kilometers is exactly the distance you need to do? Um, right. Uh, you know who says you can't stay up for five days or run four hundred kilometers or go farther than that? And that's the thing that's kind of just blown my mind about ultra running. This it's I don't think I ever got drawn into marathons as much. I think the the crowds and the people and that never appealed to me as much as the uh, when I started looking at like the ultra marathon community of like these small group of crazy people with long beards and long hair that are just running off in the wilderness and like, I'll figure out how to get home. You know, like (laughs) something about that aspect of moving yourself through your environment, like you said, with your own kinetic energy is really appealing. And just knowing that you're capable of like experiencing the world in a way that, you can't do in a car, in a helicopter, in a plane, in a, you know, in anything. Uh, well, yeah, and you go to places when you do those type of events, and it could be, you know, it could be in the woods, but, I mean, you can do an ultra. Like, I've done 50Ks uh, on indoor 200-meter tracks, and they used to, way back in the day, like in the early, late 1800s, early 1900s, they used to have, like, these multi-day races that people would come and bet on in, like, Madison Square Garden and, like, there was like these crazy bunion challenges where they'd go from New York to like DC and give out like huge prize for like $50,000 or something like crazy. Like that's like great money now for like, you know, a big time marathon. I think that's even more money than you get at Berlin marathon. If you win, like it's insane. And like people have been doing this stuff like, well, long, long time just to see if they could. And, and I think that that, that, sense of adventure like and you know it's not just the you know the guys that live in the mountains with the long hair and the beards but like there's so many ladies like i met a bunch of awesome people in huntsville alabama this uh weekend that are all ultra runners and they do a 50k and they have like this quadruple challenge and like they're just regular ladies and guys and like like that's what's so cool about it it's so accessible to everyone and it's it's this um amazing community too once you're 
into it. I mean, I think the running community in general is pretty fantastic. And, but then there's all these little niches that you can get yourself into. And I feel super fortunate that I can kind of toggle between the road runners and the trail runners and, uh, get a sense of what everyone's up to. And that's, I think really, really inspiring to me is like, just to see like, you know, just regular people going out and doing extraordinary things. Like it happens so often. And, there's so many people that you don't even hear about that are doing just insane, insanely cool things. So where did, how did you get introduced into the, the ultra running world? So you started off with Boston and you, you did Boston and then did you just do marathons for a while before you started like kind of no, spreading out? No. Because do you, you have to have something that takes you from, we'll, we'll talk about uh, like the work run balance that you've got uh because i think that's also a really interesting part of your story but where what was the evolution from running boston and getting that 254 to okay adding you know a couple races a year to adding you know a few more to adding 50 races a year plus on a regular (laughs) on a regular basis yeah i mean i think well it was actually kind of interesting because the um the the thing about it was is I was like oh I ran Boston okay that was my goal and then I kind of fell in love with it right I was like wow this is amazing like I want to get that feeling and so I started doing a bunch more races and uh, I I realized like pretty quickly I was like I should just do all the big races now <laughs> while I have this training like in case I want to do something else and so I did um, I signed up for again this was before you had to like put in you know, five years before, but I, I did the, um, Chicago marathon. Cause I was like, I'm going to do all the biggest races in the U S and at that time, like in the nineties, you know, Chicago marathon was a big race. And then, uh, New York city, I was like, I'll do all the big city marathons. So I did Chicago and then I, in New York was like a month later. And then I was like, well, I got to do Marine Corps again. Cause you know, I can do better there now. And so then that was, three marathons in four weeks. And by that point I had actually earned a spot on the Pacers running point, uh, team. Like I, um, you know, I achieved that goal. And then my next goal was like, okay, well I'm going to try to do all the big races. And so I did, you know, I did, uh, Chicago and then, uh, got a little bit faster. And then I did Marine Corps and got a little bit faster. And then I did New York and was getting even a little bit faster and like mm-hmm. i remember like i was telling the guys that i train with that i was going to do this and you know like this is still you were saying at the beginning of the show like you know most people just train for one or two races a year or maybe you know three or four if, if they're feeling really frisky uh, <laughs> and exactly. and yeah this was and and you know that's probably i mean if you're going to be a pro that's probably the right way because you know if you're you know getting a big appearance fee or something and you know, they say you can't run, you know, six weeks leading up to our race, anything longer than X, Y, Z, like in, you're trying to, you know, maximize your, your income, uh, which it makes sense. Like you got to kind of do in what people prescribe. But, mm-hmm. you know, for me, I was, no one was, no one cared what I was doing and, <laughs> uh, and I just wanted to do what I wanted to do. And so, um, I, uh, was told by everyone, you know, you're going to, you get broken. And, and, and so it just made me want to do it even more just mm-hmm. to show people that, you know, that it is possible. And like, I, I didn't know, I had no idea and I still don't know. And, you know, you know, maybe 50 races is too much. You know, I, 
uh, now, but it's, I still, I don't want to miss anything and I don't want to, uh, look back and say, you know, I had chance to go to Kosovo or I had the opportunity to explore, you know, Australia or to be a part of Western States or to do the hard rock hundred miler or, you know, to run Leadville and Pikes Peak the same weekend to try to set the record or, mm-hmm. um, you know, be a part of the Kauai marathon or, or, you know, run a marathon in Fenway park like I did this year. And, um, you know, I don't, I don't want to miss anything. And, and, um, you know, and, and I didn't then either. And, but I didn't know what I was capable of and I'm still trying to find that out now. But I mean, when I first started, I did all those races and I felt stronger each one. And then my dad and I went to this talk at the running store because I was super geeky now. Like I was reading everything like Lydia and um, Jack Daniels and uh, George Sheehan and like running with the Buffaloes came out like in that era. And I was just like, I just turned all my attention to, you know, running and endurance and um, I went to this talk and it's really cool. You might, um, know this guy. He's a really, um, influential guy. His name's Scott Mills. Um, okay. and he used to have a store here in the DC area. It was, I believe a fleet feet in Springfield in this little strip mall. Uh, and he was talking about the JFK 50 miler. And I was like, what? It was like the same thing when uh, my friend's mom said like she ran a marathon. It was like I didn't even know that people could run that far, and I didn't believe. I didn't it. know it was allowed. I, no, no, exactly. No, it, that's exactly right. I was like, wait, you can run further than a marathon? That is insane. And then I didn't believe it. I was like, that is not true. Like that, <laughs> like it is not possible. And I don't know why. I just. I just had this like realization that it's not true. And then I thought like, he told me the times that they were running to win. It was like, they're, they're like, Oh, you got to run about six hours and 10 minutes. And I was like, well, if you just take my marathon time and you double it, like that's like five hours. Like I should crush this. Like I'm going to like destroy these guys. Like, (laughs) like, and so uh, I signed up for the JFK 50 miler thinking I was going to win and, um, and really like just having this, um, ridiculous, uh, idea in my head that it was just two marathons, like you just doing back to back. And mm-hmm. I'd been doing, you know, pretty well, like a week or so apart. Right. So yep. I was like, well, you know, it's just, you just run them, you know, the same day. And I think what's the big deal about that? Little, yeah, I didn't know. Um, <laughs> I'm laughing really hard. I'm trying to stay away yeah. from the microphone because I'm laughing really hard. Yeah, yeah, no, I just, I just, you know, it's one of those things where you are quickly uh, shown the ignorance of your ways, and I uh, did not win. I think <laughs> I, I ran like seven and a half or eight hour, eight and a half hours, okay. and I thought I was going to die. Like at mile thirty-two, that was the furthest I'd ever run. And I felt terrible. I wasn't able to eat. I was getting passed by these guys that were doing like the Galloway, like run walking. And so like, and I was refusing to walk because I'm not a, I'm not a walker. I'm a runner. Right. And so, you know, all the typical stuff, you know, that just, um, that you just have, 
you know, have yeah. to go through that you have to experience because <laughs> trial by fire. Yeah. It's just one of those things where, and I'm so glad that happened because that's really what you need when you're, when you're overconfident, you need to be humbled. And, mm-hmm. um, and it was great. You know, I got, I got destroyed, but I still, you know, I, I was resilient and I stayed with it and I made it. And, um, I decided, you know, I, at that point I decided during that race that I wanted to explore triathlon and I'd always wanted to do an Ironman. And, you know, after doing 50 miles, I thought, well, you know, I can, I can do that. So the next couple of years I did some sprint triathlons and then eventually did Ironman Lake Placid in 1999 Mm -hmm. and finished that. And then, um, and it been a couple of, you know, I was still doing marathons over that time, actually quite a bunch of marathons and, um, got, uh, somebody, my buddy, actually Todd Cohen told me about a race called marathon to Saab in the Sahara mm-hmm. desert. And I started saving up all my money until I, it was really expensive. Like t- for me, uh, young, as a young guy, it was like $2,500 entry fee. Mm-hmm. Plus you had to get to morocco and so you had to you know save up for flights and um you know i didn't have any i didn't have any sponsors really besides pacers and you know they were able to help a little bit you know it's just a local team right so like they don't have like you know it's not like you're getting sponsored by you know i'm lucky i have you know big sponsors now like you know hoka one one and Mm t-mobile and um you know a bunch of different people that are supporting me now but at that point like you're just trying to get by. And, um, you know, so I took two, two and a half years to save up the money. And then also like to save up the vacation time from work, just to make sure that I was going to be able to, you know, be gone for that amount of time. And then I went and I just kind of did unbelievably well. Like I was, um, each day I got stronger and I, I kind of fell in love with, uh, the running. And I think at that point I was, 25 so i was one of the youngest guys at the race i think it was me and a danish guy that were the two youngest guys and i actually had my birthday during the race so i turned 25 during the race so i think i was actually one of the young i think i was the youngest guy there and um just kind of ended up first american and i think 25th overall and uh that's when i decided that you know i'd kind of pursue this and really see what i was capable of and I uh, was lucky enough to meet, um, I don't know if you know Lisa and Jay Batchin or not, but no, I don't. Um, she's she's a super cool, she had won Marathon de Saab and she she actually wanted to help coach me and so for about a year or so she coached me and um, I did my first 100 miler in 2001 and then uh, did the 100k um, national championships and it was pretty cool because it was like Scott Urich was there and mm-hmm. Mark Godale and uh, Ian Torrance and a bunch of just like these old school badasses now but we were all just kind of young guys coming up at that point and um, kind of got involved a little bit more with that and then um, in 2001 I was doing a race in the Himalayas called the um, Himalayan 100 mile stage race mm-hmm. and uh, decided that I wanted to try qualify for the Olympic trials in the marathon. Uh, and so I went back to just doing a lot more road marathons and eventually got my 2004 qualifier for the Olympic trials in the marathon. And then 2008 and 2000 and, 
2004, 2008, 2012, I qualified for the Olympic trials in the marathon. And that was something that I, um, was really proud of and was kind of launched me into this next bit where I started, you know, trying to make the 50 K world team and then, uh, representing the U S in the hundred K world team. And, um, you know, did that for a bunch of years. And now I'm at the point where I'm just like, um, getting to go around and compete all over the place and, um, still kind of trying to figure out, you know, exactly, you know, how far I can go and what I'm capable of. Yeah. The, so one thing that we haven't touched on quite yet is most people hear you say something like, okay, you know, I've been, you know, like running 20 some years, uh, been doing all these races all over the world. Wow. You just either you have a rich uncle, uh, <laughs> you just have way too right. much money, uh, like must be nice to just have all this money, um, you know, how do you get all this free time? Like if you're doing a race in a different country every week, how are you doing this? And right. the the thing that I like, I think I might like this the most about your story is that um, you you have a full-time job and you do all of this. Is that like, that, I'll let that's you, true. I'll let you tell the story, but um, you do this all while having a full-time job. This isn't like, like you have sponsors, you have, people that are, you know, are helping with some of the races and stuff, but, um, you have, uh, you have a job like a normal person. Yeah. Yeah. I work uh, full time as an international ship broker and we, uh, represent us and foreign flag ocean going carriers doing humanitarian food aid cargo. So yeah, we, we are, um, full service 24 hours a day, seven days a week. We're dealing with people like all over the world. So, you know, we get calls from Denmark and Ethiopia and uh, work with guys in India and uh, here in the U.S. And um, it's amazing. I've been super lucky. I got into it uh, when I was in uh, high school as like an intern and uh, came in as a basically like secretary type uh, administrative assistant and was able to kind of apprenticeship here and, and work my way up to being, um, one of the guys that's, uh, brokering the vessels and, and kind of working with the owner directly. And, uh, lucky now my sister works here too. And so, yeah, it's, it's pretty awesome. It's like one of the best things I've ever done. And I, I can't believe how fortunate I am to like have found something that I really love and that, can also accommodate, uh, me being able to do it almost anywhere in the world, especially now. Like when I first started, it was a lot more difficult, but, mm -hmm. uh, with technology being, and you know, this too, from as much travel as you do, it's like, as long as you have Wi-Fi, you can be kind of really interconnected and kind of almost be, you know, I'll be in the French Alps, you know, getting ready <laughs> for UTMB or something at our cafe. And I can be on my computer at, the office and, and kind of deal with stuff. And, uh, you know, I'm lucky to have a deal with T-Mobile. So they're keeping me connected. Like I was able to make calls and do stuff while I was in the middle of the 400 K in the desert. <laughs> and yeah. So like, it's, it's pretty crazy how, um, small the world can be now with technology. And, uh, and then the other thing is like, you know, we also have, um, two, two young kids. So we have a, 11 year old and a almost nine year old. So Grant will be nine next weekend or this upcoming weekend, I guess. So he's super excited because his 
birthday falls on the same weekend as opening week of Star Wars. So, uh, <laughs> you know, it always it always uh, seems like the Star Wars movie comes out. So he's pretty excited about that. So, yeah, those those two guys keep us really busy. And uh, luckily, I think with one of the great things is with the travel and the running is they've been able to explore a lot of the world with us. So they've already been to four or five continents and wow. 16 or 17 countries already. So it's, um, it's, not bad. it's pretty, yeah, it's pretty hard. <laughs> it's much better. I mean, I, I'd only been, uh, you know, not very many places when I was, you know, 18, 19. So uh, they're catching, catching the travel bug early and, you know, it's something that's important to them and hopefully we can continue to, you know, get to share the world with them through, through my adventures and, and through, um, that, that kind of dual sense of, uh, uh, exploration that we've been able to kind of cultivate with, uh, so quick plug for your, your T-Mobile sponsor. I'm not sponsored by them, but, uh, (laughs) I, I have their, like, I, I switched to them a few years ago and if anybody like any U S people travel abroad, they're, they're all like unlimited data plans amazing because they give you unlimited unlimited data and texting internationally it's like slow it's like 3g or whatever but from like a like traveling abroad and like not having to you know wait in the airport for 30 minutes to get a sim card like it's just yes. it's a it's a game changer so uh it is a, pretty ridiculously awesome yeah and there's a free plug like yeah, they're they're thanks, man. Yeah, I appreciate that. Yeah, they're they're really cool too. And like, I don't know if you know John, like the CEO, but he's just such a cool guy too. He's always out there doing crazy, awesome stuff, and he's a big runner himself. So it's um it's so cool to just you know be involved with a company that you know is kind of being innovative, and then also it seems like they really appreciate their customer base, you know, and yeah. and just do like small things. Like, I don't know if you ever gotten the free internet, like they do on the flights on sometimes the, yeah, they too. Get, like a free one hour on the American. Yeah, exactly. Like the wingman thing. Like you're like, holy crap. Like <laughs> that would have been like eight bucks. Like yeah. if, you know, you know, whoever had their way, you know, so that's, you know, just small little things that make a big difference. That's cool. The, um, so do as far as uh, getting back to your job, as far as like positioning yourself in a place where you're able to to run and work at the same time, how yeah. did you, like how did you pull that off? Because uh, like on one level, it, okay, the money's the money, and the sponsors help with that. But for a lot of people, it's like the time off or getting away from the job or being able to do it remotely. Um, do you have any like uh, either suggestions, one suggestions or, on how you yeah. did it or like how other people can kind of um, approach their job so they have the um they have that pathway with the boss to be like hey listen i really want to do this thing it's important to me and i'm gonna get my stuff done no matter what yeah i mean i think that's the biggest thing is like making sure that you can you know still accomplish what you need to have done uh done uh and you can do it from wherever you are and i mean it becomes harder if you're doing like you know a seven day stage race like you that's when you gotta you know find someone that can kind of cover your 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 responsibilities for that amount of time but you know if you're just going to run a hundred miler or eh, not just but you know if you're if you're (laughs) if you're if you're going to do something like where you're just going to be out of service for a day or two like Mm -hmm. that i think becomes much more manageable and i think like having that um uh frank conversation with people about what you're trying to achieve. I think that's one of the biggest things I've done is I've been really transparent with, 
you know, these are, these are some of the big things that I want to do. And, um, and, and to be able to accomplish that, I'm going to need some help. And I think that that's, that's something that was surprising to me is how, uh, I have been able to be really fortunate to have people that I work with that are, um, friends and then also, um, kind of co-conspirators or, or, mm-hmm. um, um, fans of, of what I'm trying to accomplish. And so that you get a lot of more buy-in and I think a lot more leniency when you are, um, saying like, Hey, this is really important to me. And, you know, I, to be able to do it, I, I might need, you know, you guys to be able to, to help me out. And, and I think that that's something where people will step up and, and kind of, um, you'd be surprised how many people are willing to help you when they know that you want to do something and they find it really cool. I mean, like I'll come back each weekend and, you know, someone, someone I'm working with in, you know, USAID or USDA or one of the suppliers we work with, or, uh, one of our owners will, you know, typically, you know, ask or, uh, you know, I have a bunch of them that follow me on social media now. So they'll be like, Oh, I saw you were in, you know, Huntsville or I saw you were in, uh, China or, or whatever. And so yeah. like just making, making it public, like what you want to do and then asking for help. And you'll be surprised at, you know, how many people will want to help support you do, um, something incredible. And, and I think you've probably found that too in your travels. Like you probably never thought you would be able to do what you're doing, or at least I never like envisioned this and, and people will, like I think they see that you have this vision and determination and you know the word passion gets thrown around a lot these days but I mean I think that's what it comes down to is like they see this motivation that and it's something that's inspiring and if they can help be a part of that then they become part of your team and um they're invested too and and I think trying to get that kind of involvement with people and um you know yeah. most people most people see the, see this kind of stuff they might see it as crazy, but they also, they respect it and mm-hmm. they, they want to, or at least I've found, or I've been lucky to find that they want to, they want to help you achieve something like, especially, if, you know, if it's something that, you know, is, is a big deal and, and you make it such like, I think that people will, people will be, uh, able to, they, they get excited about in. it. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, one of the things I found, and this is almost um, a little bit counterintuitive, was I was always a little bit like hesitant sometimes to tell people uh, exactly, you know, uh, the the bigness or uh, of what I wanted to do, uh, because I thought it would be, I, I didn't know if they would be okay with it, I didn't know if they would shut it down, um, I didn't know if they would get annoyed or jealous or whatever, and I think there is some segment of people that. You know, if you try to tell them what you want to do, they're just going to be like, no, you shouldn't do that. That's dumb. And that's going to be a certain percentage of people no matter what. But, yeah. And, but and there's I a. Think, oh, go, go ahead. No, no. Go um, ahead. But there's a certain segment of people that, as soon as you like, if you tell them what you want to do and there's a bigness to it, uh, they're om- it almost becomes easier for them to back you. And it's, it's really interesting to see um, just having the courage to tell other people what you're trying to accomplish um that helps people and ideas and things to start organizing themselves to kind of help you do that and 
I was really surprised how how much people were willing to go out of their way to help me do something that I thought was like, okay, this is for me. But I think a lot of people are looking for that excitement, that story, um, that intrigue uh, from whatever you're trying to do. And then the cool thing is when it trickles down to their own life and you see them go from, okay, I'm not just asking you about, you know, your races, but like, Hey, Joel, I just signed up for, you know, my first, you know, 10 K or half marathon or marathon or something like that. Um, yeah. And no, it starts I mean, to kind it's of cool. It's amazing yeah. how many people you can touch. Right. Like, and especially now with like social media and, and whatnot, like I feel like there's a really big sense of connectivity between all of us. And, um, you can find it <laughs> like you just look at your phone every day. I'm inspired and like just, in awe of what is possible. And mm-hmm. I, I love that. And I, and I hope that, you know, what you're doing continues to inspire people. And, and I hope what I'm doing is the same way. And, um, and I love the fact that, that we all have a chance to be, in, be involved with what everyone else is doing. No, it's, it's, it's really incredible. Once you start like putting out there, the things that you want to do, what, um, how, how just talking about it and writing it down and telling people about it can help start organizing things to actually make that happen. Yeah, um, exactly. And, and you know, you will, and I think what I was going to chime in when you were talking and I, and the point that kind of resonated with me is there is always going to be people that will sell you. You're not going to be able to do it. Mm-hmm. Like that is just goes without saying. And, and it'll be people that you really care about too. And, and a lot of times, like, at first it was my mom, like she was, um, really, and, and it doesn't come from a place of, you know, malice or, um, jealousy or anything like that. It's just a place of like, they're just worried. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, you know, it, it just comes from a place of like, you're their baby or you're their friend or, you know, they don't want to see you be disappointed. And mm-hmm. it, it's a lot of times it, it's not, um, anything malicious. It's just, you know, people trying to protect you from, you know, maybe overreaching or something like that. And I think that that that's just something sometimes you have to just kind of, um, uh, overcome. Like it's, it's just part of the process. Like, and I know that now and, um, but it was hard at first, you know, because you you don't know and, and you're kind of not confident in what you're capable of. And, mm-hmm. and I'm, you know, I still have those feelings sometimes and, but, and, and the people don't mean anything by it, but you just have to know that there is going to be that, or, or at least I found that. Yeah. And I don't know if you can speak to that too, but I found that, you know, that people are traditionally pretty conservative, uh, depending on what circles you're in. And it doesn't, it doesn't mean you shouldn't do it. And I think that hopefully, and each time you are able to do it, it expands their horizons too. Right. Yep. And so like, that's, what's so cool about it is like, um, and, and they become part of the circle of, uh, this expansion. Right. So like, mm-hmm. you know, my parents will say like, Oh, my son's running a hundred miles. And then they'll be like, what? Like their friend or yeah. their person <laughs> they're talking to is like that. Wait, you can run that far. And they're like, Oh yeah. You know, he does it all the time now. Mm-hmm. Or like, uh, you see it trickle down. Like my sister, she's a really good athlete too. And she's just run, you know, probably her third or fourth marathon this year. And she's run a 50 miler. And like, I'm sure when she, um, 
first thought about doing that kind of stuff, it was like crazy, like crazy. But then she knows that, that I've done it. And she's like, that dude's not special. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, I used to beat yeah. up on him or whatever. You yeah, know? exactly. Like, and you know, there's nothing special about what he does. Like I, I see what he eats. Like it's not, it's nothing, nothing shocking. So like, you know, that's, that's, I think what's so cool about it is like, there's, um, there's such a sense of, um, community about it. Mm-hmm. Like, and, and you'll be surprised at where, where it goes and who it touches and, and how it changes people. Like one, one little action can change and it's so stupid and cliche, but like one decision can change the whole outcome of your life. And it happens every single day. There's all these moments and we make different decisions and, those decisions impact things and people in, in ways we won't even know. And, you know, hopefully like that, that, again, the thing I love about social media and that kind of stuff is, you know, you have the ability to like, I have so many people that will reach out and say like, Oh, you know, that talk you gave was inspirational and I decided to do this or whatever, or, you know, I saw you run a race or you took a picture with me or, um, you know, I, I love what you do with Rosie or, you know, your kids or like, you know, mm-hmm. I want to do something similar. And, and then I'll say the same thing. <laughs> like, I was like, Oh my God, I saw you did X, Y, Z or like, um, you know, that's amazing that you were able to, you know, be, befriend that person or go on that journey or, or do this. And I, I don't know, I feel like yeah. we're in a really lucky time. Well, I think I think the thing you said about it not being personal is a big thing that people have to get past because a lot of times it feels personal when they're saying like, "Oh, are you sure you want to do that?" and it feels like they're trying to like take down your goals, your dreams, or whatever. And yeah. what I had it took me a long time to realize it's just like people have different risk profiles, and I'm I have like a I'm very whatever the opposite of risk versus <laughs> I'm very that so very risk prone. Like I'm if I'm 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 down. You so know, you like, own a lot of Bitcoin. <laughs> <laughs> a long time ago, maybe. Yeah. Um, no Bitcoin, like 2011. Um, so, but I. Um, but from a risk risk standpoint, a lot of people um, they just have dis- different risk profiles, and and a lot of times yeah. the reason they say, "Are you sure you want to do that?" is because they don't know anyone has done it. And so when you become that person that goes and does it, then all of a sudden it expands their understanding of that risk profile. And all of a sudden it doesn't seem so risky to them. They seem, it seems more accessible. And then, um, a lot of times, people of are just, yeah. a, a lot of times people are just waiting for someone around them to do it. And then that feels like they get permission to go ahead and do it themselves. And right. so if right. you've got people that are saying, Hey, are you sure you can do that? And you know, if they're being mean about it, that's one thing. If they're doing it out of like concern, you just have to realize it's not a, you know, it's not a personal thing. It's more of like, hey, they just maybe don't know anyone who's done something like that. So you get to be the right. first, and you get you get to pave the way, and that's uh that's fun sometimes. <laughs> yeah, I completely agree. And what I mean, and that's just like me, you know, with my friend Vince's mom, like Vicky, like she was the first person I knew that do it. And that kind of gave me the permission and, and the opportunity to kind of look at myself and be like, I could do that. Yeah. I, or I think I could do that. And if I can't do that, like, um, she can you know, do it. Ma- she can yeah, do it. She Some, can, I have she can to do it. To. Yeah. Like I should be able to do that. Like, and, and, the, and a lot of times like it's what, that's, what's so awesome about what we do is like, 
you don't have to be any certain size. You don't have to be any certain weight. Like there's nothing like, you know, if you wanted to be a professional basketball player, like, you know, you probably need some skills unless you, you need to be born six, six. Otherwise, like there's like one oh. guy that's under six foot. That's going to be playing in the NBA every right. Years. And what's so cool about it is like, it's possible. It's just going to be a lot more difficult. Right. Mm-hmm. But like, um, and you know, that's what I think is so cool is like, anything's really possible. If you're willing to make the time, like, yeah, I can be amazing at biathlon, but growing up in DC, like my opportunity to be like a world-class skier is a little bit less <laughs> than somebody that's growing up in Durango or yeah. Silverton, Colorado or something. Right. So like, you know, there's just things that you, you know, you, the, the different circumstances can dictate, but like the nice thing about running is like anybody can be really incredible at running like and even like you know it's harder to train in dc for running in the mountains or uh chicago or you know florida but it's possible and you're you know anything's possible and that's what's so cool about it is like yeah if you want to make the time and commitment and you put the work in like um you can reap the benefits and there's nothing that is is limiting to it right like it's and and even even with the the running it's you can have so many different things that you choose to be like the challenge. You can choose to get faster. You can choose to go longer. You can choose to yep. do like a more mountainous race. You can choose to do like just, you know, these crazy ones out in you know the middle of nowhere. And that's what yep. always appealed to me. Cause I never, I never really envisioned myself as a fast runner, but what I feel like I'm pretty good at is suffering. And, yeah. Uh, and that's, and that's not something to scoff at. I mean, that's something that like, there's a real skill to that. And there are some races that if you want it, and sometimes you don't even like, you don't do a race just because you think you're going to win or you, you know, it's because it's something that you want to maybe improve on, or it's something that, you know, you want to experience, right? Like, or just to see if you can do it. Like, I, I mean, I sign up for lots of stuff just because I don't know. And like, this is an opportunity to fail really. And, and maybe I don't, I don't make it like the Barkley this year. Like, yeah. you know, the chance of me making it not very good, but you know, the chance of me making it the next time, probably better than the first time. And then, you know, if I'm willing to keep putting the work in, like eventually you have a really good chance of finishing it. Like anything can happen, but it's just one of those things. Like, you know, you first time you want to do anything, like unless you're super gifted, it's probably not going to go exactly smoothly. And, everything changes with running, you know, just based on, you know, what you ate the night before or what, you know, how you slept, like, mm-hmm. did you get to the, go to the bathroom? Uh, <laughs> there's, so, you know, so many variables and, and that's, that's what's so cool is like every time you go out there, you, you have to perform. There's no, you can't, there's no hiding and there's no, it's not a team sport. <laughs> yeah. Like there, there are teams and you can run for a team, but like eventually like there's no, you know, if you're having a bad day, it's, it's kind of, on you and and that's also powerful too because if you're having a good day that's on you too and that being said like it's not a it's not a solitary sport there's a big team behind everything you do and everything i do like it's not just me so you're just you know there's you know people that are helping with the kids or Mm -hmm. you know people that are crewing me or sponsors that are helping me you know get there and um so yeah it is solitary but it's also community and i don't know yeah, I know. I, awesome. I, I I know what you mean with the. Sometimes you can be out there all on your own, but then like 
having the community like at the end of the races and even at the aid stations, like seeing somebody like, like, yeah, it's like, Oh, I haven't seen anybody in like two hours or something like that. It's, <laughs> it's nice to, there, there's an aspect of that. I really like, um, yeah, I've, well, and then also the other athletes too, yeah. like, and you form these bonds and that's, what's so cool too, is like the um, endurance events in general strip away so much of the pretense, like you could be running next to a billionaire and the next to, uh, uh, another international ship broker and yep. next to somebody that works at McDonald's and like, it doesn't matter. You're uh, like all the same. Like what? One like, of my we're favorite... all just runners. Yeah. One of my favorite things about Antarctica is there's no phone, no anything or whatever. And so you just get to know people based on just like conversations and then how good they are at Catan. Like that was like the basis <laughs> for like a bunch or if of they people. Tell everyone the rules or not. Yeah. You get to know what kind of person they are. If they only tell you some of the rules. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Is that a reference to me? <laughs> no, I'm joking. Uh, uh, actually, uh, don't I, I won't tell my my kids. Actually, have been asking for that game forever, so it's on it's on the uh, list. So we'll see if Santa brings it, but I'm pretty sure Santa knows about it. So there you go. I like that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So we're we're a little bit over an hour. I still have uh, three more questions, and then some quick hits for you. Do you have time? Yeah, let's do it. Awesome. So I'm really curious on what your thoughts are, what you're thinking about during a race. Because I know sometimes, like my like like I said, I'm I'm good at suffering. I'm not always the fastest, so I'm not always thinking about like specific pacings all the time. Like I, you know, like good races, think about pacing. You know, planning out. You know how how the rest of the races go. Uh, on the days where it's just like okay, I, I had one race in Thailand where uh, I want to say it was my uh, my third race in my third ultra in like four weeks or something like that and it was super hot and all i thought about was like made up swear words (laughs) made up swear words and uh just thinking i'm going to finish this race it is not going to be pretty but i'm gonna finish this thing um but i'm always curious what people uh what other runners think about when they're running and kind of how they deal with all the thoughts that come up during a race yeah, I mean, I think that's that's one of the big things. I mean, I think it depends on, you know, what kind of race and where you are and, like, how it's going. I mean, I think uh, for me at this point, usually I'm trying to race for some kind of goal. And so usually I'm kind of keeping that pretty uh, front and center in, in my mind. So, you know, usually the goal in almost any race is to finish. So, you know, if I'm pretty sure that that's going to happen, then my second goal might be, you know, top 10. And then my third goal might be, you know, first master. And then my fourth goal might be, you know, podium. And my fifth goal might be, um, to win the race outright. And then, you know, if I win the, if you think you're going to win the race outright, well, then maybe I should try to go for the course record. And then, um, you know, and then the way that I think about that during the race is, you know, how, how am I going about achieving those goals? And really it becomes down to really simple things. Like, and I think that's one of the cool things about what we do is like, it's pretty simple, but it can be complicated. Right. So like, it's pretty simple. Like, you know, you need to eat, you know, you need to drink, but then it comes like, well, you know, how do you achieve those goals and how do you stay up on your fluids? And then how do you, um, manage all the different things that come up, especially as the race, distance increases like the number of things that can go sideways on your plan 
uh, start to, in my at least in my experience, start to exponentially change, and that dynamic changes. But it's all a lot of just binary um, yes, no. I try to make it pretty simple. So, um, do I need to eat? Yes. Okay. What am I going <laughs> to eat? <laughs> like, and I try to keep it. You know, like every and uh, you know, there's different strategies for that. Like one of the things I do in longer races is I set an alarm for every 25 minutes and. Mm-hmm you know, um, it rings and, you know, I'm sorry for the people that are around me for like eight or 10 or 12 or 24 hours, but, mm-hmm. uh, it's something that, you know, I use to remind myself, did I eat? Okay. Um, how do I feel? Like, can I take some water? Do I need more water? How far to the next aid station? And it really, I become almost like, um, driving like a car sometimes as I explain it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like, is the fuel gauge good? Okay. How's the temperature? Okay. Good. Um, you know, how is, how are the, you know, how's the chafing? Am I having any chafing? Probably not because I'm using my squirrel's nut butter. But if I am like, (laughs) do I need some, you know, to put some more on? Mm -hmm. Um, am I going to see a crew coming up? Like, uh, is this a big climb? Should I eat before the climb? Maybe I should eat earlier. Um, you know, is somebody, you know, if I'm in, you know, position to, you know, challenge for the race. Is somebody trying to break me? Like, am I trying to break somebody? Um, you know, what's the footing like? Uh, how are my feet feeling? Um, do I need to get something out of my pack? Is it too cold? Like, is it going to be this cold for a long time? Like, am I going to need to get gloves? Like, do I have gloves? Do I have a hat? (laughs) Like, like all those, like 12 page checklist. Yeah, yeah, but like you're just doing that, like, Constantly. and you do it really quickly, but you're, you know, and I think that, you know, there are times where you're like, okay, everything's good. Like, I'm just going to go away for a little bit. Yeah. And I think I'm actually really good at that. Like, you know, I'm running a 200 meter track, like everything's covered. Like, I just need to be away from myself for a while. And so I just go away and I'm like, okay, I'll come back in, I don't know, Yeah. you know, 15 miles or something when I really have to start doing the work. And like, that's, you know, that's something I think a skill too is like, you know, can you put your, can you put all those checklists and thoughts on pause Mm -hmm. and just kind of be in the moment? And I love when that happens and like, that doesn't always happen, but you know, you're just there. And then you're like, a lot of times, like, I just like, I got to appreciate this. I might never be here again. So I'll just look over and just be like, like when we were in Antarctica, like there's so many moments where I was just like, this is, this is something I need to remember. And Mm -hmm. I'll just take a mental snapshot of it. And just like, I still, like, I just got goosebumps thinking about it. Like, but you're able to, you're able to have those moments. Like, so, you know, all that stuff is important. Like, you know, doing the checklist, making sure you're eating all that stuff. But I think also you just gotta sometimes just take a second and just be like, this is, this is something awesome. Like that I, I'm doing with all these people supporting me or on your own or wherever it is. I mean, but like, just like, I can't believe I just saw that Fox or I can't believe I just, you know, heard that howler monkey in the bushes or, you know, I wonder if there's a snake around the next corner or boar or like, um, am I going to get to see a zebra or a lion or Mm -hmm. a puff rat or, you know, like, um, or, you know, are there going to be dolphins on the coast when I get there in like two days? Like, I don't know. Um, so like just kind of, um, appreciating that, you know, this is something lucky. And, and a lot of times like it's stuff is not going well. Like that's another thing, like you have to kind of get yourself out of. And I mean, you've done enough long stuff 
or even some some shorter stuff, you know, sometimes things go wrong, and that's also like, you know, a, a challenge, and that's something I kind of used to like be nervous about having. Mm-hmm. But I think that's actually one of the things I kind of look forward to now is like, <clears throat> sometimes you're like, okay, I've got this. Like the last time this happened, you know, I took you know, five goos and, um, and I felt better. And like, then you do the five goos and you're like, Oh, that didn't work. Like, yep. okay, now what? Like, uh, nothing sounds good. Everything looks like razor blades. What do I do now? And yep. like, th- those are the kind of decisions and kind of things that, that kind of creep up and, uh, I was, and it's, yeah. it's really cool. It's like, you got to figure it out. And like, it doesn't just because it worked last time doesn't mean it's going to work this yeah. time, you know? I was going to ask you what happens when a race goes sideways because um, a lot of times – and this is the other thing is like I'll run a race and when I sign up for a race, uh, unless like I get a leg – I lose a leg in the middle of the race, like it's, the race is getting completed. Like I, I don't think I've ever dropped out of a race, which I don't always know if it's a good thing. Um, I've hurt myself and like finished the race and I'm like I probably should have just – dropped out um but i'm curious uh, because you're so prolific and because a lot of the races you're doing you, you have a specific goal but you're also kind of just enjoying being there and like you like you said before you don't want to miss out um a lot of people if they're having a bad race and you know it's one of their you know the races that they train for and they know they're not on target for their goal they're they're not gonna you know use up the rest of the gas in the tank because they know they're you know way off their pace from early on um right do you, I, I mean, do you call it in early on a lot of those or do you, are you constantly just trying to fix it throughout the race and be like, okay, what can I do here? What can I do here? And then, you know, only in last resort, do you, you know, do something drastic or what's your approach uh, there? Uh, yeah. I mean, I think that, um, what's so cool and, and you probably know this is like, you can feel like death, like death, like absolutely. <laughs> like you're like. I could not move as if someone had a million dollars and they said it's around that corner, I could not run one step faster and I wouldn't matter. It, it, it wouldn't matter. Like, mm-hmm. I don't care. Like if, if they said you get there in a minute, like this is as fast as you can go. And then you are like, I can't endure any, a single more, not one, not one step more. And then somehow you get past that step. And then, you get two steps further and then you get five steps further and then you get a mile further. And then two miles later, you could feel like you just started again. And it's the most unbelievable thing. And especially when you've experienced it before and you know that it's possible, like that's, I think really powerful. Like we were talking about, like just having that knowledge and that fitness and the experience. But like, that's one of the things I think that I learned the most is like, that things change and it's not always going to like, I think (laughs) someone told me once, like never drop out while you're going uphill. And I think Uh, that's actually a really good strategy. Like that's good. I like uh, that because it's weird. Like you'll be in a funk in your head and you're like, I can't do this anymore. Like, uh, you know, this is just, the scenery is always going to be like this or something. And like, 20 minutes later, you could be in a completely different mental state or even five minutes later, you know, or maybe you just need to eat. You haven't eaten in a while. And so like, um, I try to, I try to not drop out. I think I've dropped out of maybe five or six things in in the course of like 20 years. Yeah. 20 years. And so, and each time I've regretted it, like there's there, there was actually one time where I, uh, 
dropped out of the Spartathlon like a year or so ago with chafing so bad and like tendonitis and just like I just was hypothermic and it was just terrible and I do not I do not feel bad about that at all yeah. like I was just I was just not able to and I could have walked I yeah. could have walked for like two days and still made it <laughs> And I, I just, I, I, I was just done yeah. and like, and I, pre, like, I wasn't hurt. Like usually I'd be like, Oh, you know, you're, you know, if you're hurt, like that's different. Right. Yeah. And, um, I was almost hoping I would like get hurt. So I would have <laughs> an excuse to yeah. like drop out. And, and, you know, I had I ended up in a boot after that and, and yeah. it was bad. And I still ended up running two more marathons after that, like the next weekend and the weekend after. And then I did diagonal to foo like three weeks later, but mm-hmm. it was like, still like I was, I was glad that I didn't finish that, but I, it's one of those things where I want to go back now and do it like do you, for sure. Do you, do you tell yourself something specific or do you like have a thing you do? Like, I know a lot of times if I'm in like in a real bad funk, sometimes it's like, <laughs> it's an insulin issue. I'm just like, I just need some food. So like I'll eat, yeah. like I'll get to, yeah. like I'll get, I don't know if this happens to other runners, but like I'll get sad sometimes on a run and like, it's the stupidest thing. It's like, okay, my knees are fine, whatever. But like, I've been out there for a while and I'm like just a little bit sad. And then I'm like, okay, I have a goo or I have some sort of food and all of a sudden, uh, you know, my insulin levels go back up. Like, I'm like, Oh, okay. Things are okay here. And, yeah, um, totally. so are there any like yeah. tricks, either food nutrition wise, or like things that you tell yourself, uh, like the don't quit going uphill, um, that help yeah. you get through when the things do suck and you're like, Oh, I feel like I'm going to die. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think that that's the biggest thing is usually it's, it's usually you just need to eat or drink mm-hmm. <laughs> for the most part, either, like the, the times that I've had the most trouble is like, I haven't been eating enough. I haven't been able to keep food down, which is another problem. Your stomach's messed up. Right. And this last year I've had a lot of stomach issues. Like you, so you're having like diarrhea and chafing. Like, mm-hmm. so like, you know, stuff that's all manageable, but like also like, you know, that needs to be addressed. And usually if you can figure out what's causing you the discomfort or, um, then you can kind of address it. And sometimes it's like you're saying, it's just like you're not in the right mental state. And a lot of times that goes back to either eating or drinking. Like, you know, you don't want to get hangry or anything. Mm -hmm. And, um, and if you, if, if that's not working then sometimes it's just, you just need to, you know, throw on, uh, some music Mm -hmm. or, uh, change the topic. Like if you're running with somebody or, uh, just get in your own head for a little bit. And so like what a lot of times, like I'll just tell myself, like if I'm really not liking it, I was like, you, uh, this is what you do. Like, this is, this is, this is, <laughs> this is, this is like, this is what you do. This is what you signed up for. Like, you know, and it's, it's pretty powerful just to like remind yourself, like to say that to yourself and out loud, you know, mm-hmm. it's just like, uh, it's powerful because you're like, no one forced you to be here like if you didn't want to do this you you know you didn't have to be here yeah. uh, you wanted to do this at one point like go back and remember why that was and that's good and and, and i would i would i i cannot tell you how many times that's worked it's just like yeah like don't feel sorry for yourself like this is this is what this is this is the opportunity like this is what you've been trained for this is and a lot of times i'll say like it's time to shine right and yep. like and then you know, there's a lot of times where I've cursed like my, 
my little thing that I like to say is like be relentless. But mm-hmm. like I've been like, why couldn't I have chosen like just try hard enough or something, <laughs> you know? <laughs> like, but like I think that that helps, you know. It's just like you know, this is you did your best, is, you know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like yeah, you can go home now. Yeah. Like but like and I think that that's you know that's the kind of thing it's no one you don't do these things because they're easy um or at least you know and a lot of times like even if if it is easy it's because you did the work to make it easy Mm -hmm. right like that's why like when you see like people that are extremely good at whatever they're doing it looks like it's effortless Mm -hmm. and it's not that's like the amount of effort that they put into it to make it look easy it's like when you see someone shoot an amazing basketball shot like that's thousands of hours or like throw a perfect pass in football and look like they just flick their wrist and you're like that that looks oh i can do that and then you go and try to do it and you're like whoa that's not what i thought it was and just to be able to get your arm in those positions and like to make the catch or like to even run like when you're watching like the the best runners in the world it looks like they're doing nothing Mm -hmm. like there's no pain on their face they're just expressionless and they're just you know floating you know like wow and that and that's what i think is so cool yeah i I liked i liked what you said about like you you signed up for this one like you did it and i will do that i'll do that a lot too i'll do two things where i either um remind myself that the pain like the pain that i'm in right now that's the reason why i like to run i i have a love-hate relationship with running and um i said in the past i don't always love running but i love what running gives me um and i love what i get out of running in that those times when you're like 40 uh, you know 40 isn't a lot for you but when i'm 40 miles into the race and i'm like why the hell am i still out here um i'm like oh this is why because then i have to get to the point where i have this piece of me that wants to give up and wants to go home and is tired or whatever and then there's another piece of me that's like well you know this is where you get to dig deep and find something out. And so I either look back or I look forward and I figure, okay, at the end of the day, I'm going to be really tired and worn out no matter what. Am I going to be yeah. happy that I finished the race or that I quit when it got hard? You know, and I try to think about that. And when I do that, then it's like all of a sudden I'm like, well, I, <laughs> I'm not going to have done half this race and then just, you know, just, you know, felt the pain of half the race and then given up. I'm going to, I'm going to knock the rest of this out. So, yeah, well, it's funny you say that. And you know, what's interesting is, um, I've had a couple times where I've been like, you know, in the middle of the Indian ocean at diagonal to foo or like UTMB and, uh, or even, you know, hard rock or Leadville or one of those races or Western States. And, you know, you're feeling terrible and you just want it to be over and you're like, I could just end it all at this next aid station. This would be, you know, this would be, you know, easy to do. And then I also remind myself, like, you're not flying out for like two more days. You're just going to be sitting around, like watching everyone else finish. Like, that's not very fun. (laughs) Like you might as well just keep going. Like, uh, and there's going to be, the nice thing about all these events is like there are thousands of people that are out there to support you. Mm-hmm. Like, and so, you know, you might feel terrible, but, and, and I think where a lot of times the, the worst, um, 
the worst the worst things uh, that have happened to me is because I have refused to change the expectations that I arbitrarily set before the event. Gotcha. So you know what I mean? Like yep. you say, I'm going to run sub three hours and you get sick the night before and you don't feel well or th- all of a sudden there's like 50 mile an hour wind, headwind the yep. whole time and you were in your head going to run sub three hours or two hours and 30 minutes or whatever you mm-hmm. know the goal is and you refuse to change what your direction is going to be because of something that you thought was going to happen and i think that that is where a lot of people and myself included get into trouble is because you have these expectations on yourself and you refuse to uh, allow them to be fluid and everything in life is fluid and i think that just um knowing that and but it's weird because it's a tricky balance right because you don't want to just be like oh i just don't want to do that anymore like right so like you have to find that balance but like i think knowing that uh things can change and then being able to adapt uh is going to allow at least or allows me a lot more success than something that i just chose and you know and i think especially a lot of these like um a lot of the ultra, like the long distance ultra marathons where you said, you know, it kind of multiplies the number of things that can go wrong and you can do everything in your power to like, you know, do nutrition correctly, do everything else, uh, uh, you know, get your pacing down, everything else. And all of a sudden you have a, a 50 mile per hour headwind or you have like, it right. randomly or snowed like, out, of, out of nowhere or, <laughs> you know, like you have different things that come up that like you can't control and you can do if you, if you just get completely defeated by that and you're like well i'm just going to give up or go home instead of adjusting your goals based on what's actually happening uh i think that's where people get um they get into trouble or at least i've seen that i mean so cool yeah so i have a i have a couple quick hits for you before we close out are you ready for them we're just gonna go uh a bunch of racing related questions that uh you can answer in uh whatever race comes to mind uh, off the top of your head Okay, sure. Cool. So what's the farthest race you've run? Uh, the Ultra Gobi 400K. And that was over seven days? <laughs> it was supposed to. But it was, <laughs> yeah. You know, I think you had 400 hours, so I think it's like six days maybe. Okay. Um, uh, no, it's less than that. You okay. had, yeah, I don't know. It's You had six days, so what is it? Uh, 24 times six is yeah. A hundred and you had a hundred and forty forty hours. Okay. So a little under six days. Okay. And I had to, it took us a little under five days. Okay. Uh, and I thought it would take three days. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was happened uh, sometimes. It, yeah. It was, it was definitely a lot longer, a 48 hour mistake on my part. That's funny. Um, what's your favorite, what's your favorite race you've ever run? Oh man, I always get this question. I always usually like cop and say, uh, the next one, yeah, I know people always ask, but I, I mean, I think I usually fall back on the Boston marathon. So what got me into running? Okay. So that's, that's one, um, that I think, uh, you know, if I have to choose one, I usually go there. And, um, but that being said, like, there's so many races that I don't even have, uh, have in my head. And that's, yeah. that's why I want to do a podcast called like what next so that I Ooh. can learn about all the, uh, 
all the cool races that I need to, I need to go explore. And, and, you know, there's a, there's a bunch more that I need to get to. I like that. I like that. Um, let me know if you need any help with that. Um, I definitely will, man. Yeah, I do. I, do. I, I think it'd be really cool because there's, I mean, there's races even in this area that I've, I've not, uh, been able to make, make the time to visit or, or do yet. And, and I think like every time I talk to someone, I learn a different one. So it'd be cool to kind of catalog those and get them out to people so that, you know, we can all learn about more new and different and dynamic events. Be cool. Um, what's the worst race you've ever run? As far as like how I performed or, uh, well, like, uh, as far as like, I didn't like the race. I would say, I would say one that like, so I, I did this race in Thailand and it was just like, it was a 50 K and it was maybe a week and a half after I ran the Antarctica one and I just did a hundred K. I was like, all right, I feel, you know, 50 K is going to be easy. And it was just one of those races where you go in and you're like, I, I don't know what is going on, but this race is, is handing my ass. To, like it's, it is it has my number. Um, so like, what's the worst race where you've gone in and it just like, it just punched you in the face and said, Hey, what, you know, what's up? Yeah. I, uh, I, my first, uh, hundred K, uh, that I ever got invited to was called the chancellor challenge. It was, it's no longer around, but it was in Boston on the, um, uh, on the little path there by the, um, by the water where the clamshell is. And I was the first time I got invited. So I thought it was hot, you know, it's hot stuff and (laughs) excited. And I was trying to, it was, you know, trying to run with one of the big guys, this guy back in the day, Jim Garcia. And, uh, again, Mark Odell was there, Ian Torrance, like it was in 2000 and I think one. And, uh, I just did whatever Jim Garcia did. And so I drank like, I don't know, five glasses of Gatorade in the first 5K, and I just felt <laughs> terrible. And I continued to throw up for the next 10 and a half hours. Oh, wow. It got so bad that I was the last guy out on the course, and uh, my dad was, like, running interference with the guys, the course marshals, because they said, like, if we see that kid throw up one more time, we're going to pull him off. And I refused to quit. I was like, I'm not quitting. And so – uh, my dad would like distract the guys and I'd like vomit. And, um, I eventually <laughs> finished in like 10 and a half hours or something. Um, you know, they're like pulling down the tents, like, okay, we got to go, you know, can you, yeah. you be done? And, uh, and then I threw up all the way to the hotel room. I threw up in my buddy, Mark Godell's, uh, shower. And then I threw up in the cab all the way to the airplane all the wow. way. Home. Yeah. I was pretty wrecked. <laughs> That that's was probably wrong. one. I, that's still like probably one of my worst experiences. I got to say, like the Ultra Gobi this last time, like I've never felt that bad as uh, during that until I ran the New York City Marathon this year and I threw up like twelve times before the start. And I've never actually walked to a starting line feeling as bad as I did in New York this year. Like wow. I, I felt just like death and like they they almost. I'm so fortunate that the New York Roadrunners are such pros. They were like, "Hey, you know, you do not look good. You don't have to do this." And I and I was like, "No, no, I, I'm good." And I, like I kind of conned my way onto the bus, and then, you know, they they were kind enough to let me start, and I was able to get finished. But I I don't think I've ever felt that bad uh, yeah. starting a race. That's rough. Uh, yeah. What's the What's the most beautiful race you've run? Um. Oh man, I've, um, 
I've been lucky. I've got to go to a lot of places. There's um, the Longenbarger Marathon in Iceland is pretty majestic. Um, the Ultra Trail, the Mont Blanc is, mm-hmm. you know, obviously really ridiculous. Um, Hard Rock this year was just off the off the rails amazing uh pike's peak i was really impressed with like that was that was really beautiful and leadville had some some serious beauty western states is always beautiful um i i run the big sur i won the big sur marathon this year okay um i was in Kauai, which uh, i won the Kauai marathon also this year that's pretty ridiculous um i i i I don't (laughs) know man yeah yeah, I, I mean, I think Antarctica. I don't know yeah. about you, but I thought I thought you know there's a stark beauty to that place that just um, is impressive. Like the, there were, as I said earlier, like I still have goosebumps and just thinking about it. Like the watching the sun break through the clouds along that mountain range yep. while we were out there um, is still one. You know, it's just strikingly beautiful. So um, I'm I'm looking forward to like there's yeah there's beauty almost everywhere and i'm looking forward to seeing a bunch more of it i was actually i was in kosovo um this year too and did a, a race there a half marathon uh, but i was taken by um my friend who's the mayor of one of the towns who she's now in the in the parliament but she took me to um albania and there was a lot of beauty there too so okay um i'm hoping to get back to that part of the world and I've heard I've heard great things about Eastern Europe, so okay. I'd, I'd like to explore that. And hopefully next year we're going to be uh, going and exploring more of um, like we want to get up to Alaska and also um, like Scandinavia. So um, looking forward to exploring that part of the world because it looks pretty ridiculous. Cool. Um, I I have what's the most challenging race, but I that might be similar to the the worst race you've ever run. I don't know if that's the same thing. <laughs> Um, I mean, I think there, that is definitely one of them. I think, um, the, for me, there's a race called Diagonal de Fou that's in the Reunion Island that I did, you know, a couple of weeks after that Spartathlon. And, mm-hmm. and that race is, is really incredible. Like the whole island comes out, they just do an amazing job. And, um, but it's super difficult. It was the first time I had run for more than 30 hours. Um, I think it took me 31 hours or something. And, um, and I remember I was, I was like in the top 50 or 60 people. Like, so there were people that were out there for, I don't know, 60 hours or more. And, um, I think that that one's, that one's pretty tough. Hard rock was, I think pretty, pretty tough. It's, you know, you're kind of exposed to the elements and it's pretty high. So you're all, you know, 10 to 12,000, 14,000 feet at, hard rock so that you know that that makes it tough and i was actually um surprised leadville was being so high like the whole time like you're really um dealing with the altitude um so i'm looking forward to like some of those high elevation races and then yeah just seeing how that impacts you i don't know if you've done a lot of those but it's it's funny how you know just running on a dirt road can be hard when you're at you know 10 12 15 18,000 feet you're like whoa yeah, I've been legit. I haven't done any in um in in the Rockies, but I've I've done a couple of races in uh uh the the Swiss Alps and oh uh, yeah those the uh, the the Swiss Alpine Marathon Festival that they've got going on. Uh, I've done that a couple of times and yeah, it 
that takes it out of you pretty quickly. You're like, man, I thought I was good at running. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Apparently I'm bad at breathing. Um, yeah. <laughs> I can't even do that. Um, what is the, do you have a go-to race food? Like um, in race food? Like, yeah, in race food. I mean, usually, I mean, for the shorter stuff under like 50 miles, it's usually goose, okay. uh, and, um, salt tablets and water and then over 50 miles it becomes a little more uh dynamic you know with adding in some soda and then also real food so you know avocado sandwiches bananas berries um i'm a huge proponent of almond butter Mm -hmm. i eat it all the time so like i have a almond butter sponsor big spoon um and so i eat a lot of that and honey and yeah it's um, really whatever you can stomach. And that's, that's kind of the cool thing. You know, I've raced guys that, you know, only eat, um, you know, jelly donuts and still kick <laughs> ass. So it's, it's basically getting in calories that you can uh, manage. I think actually one of, one of our friends, uh, he, he like goes and gets like Taco Bell and like, really? uh, yeah. And like Big Macs or something. So yeah. And it's, you know, whatever, whatever you can, Whatever you can stomach works pretty well usually. I, you might you might remember who this is. I don't. He he set the record for the Appalachian Trail running through it, uh, eating candy. Carl. Yeah. Or... I I think, yeah. He he was eating like candy the whole time, and uh, <laughs> I was like, all right. Um, I don't know. There was yeah. like two or three guys that set the set the record like on top of each other the last couple of years or something like that. Like someone did it and then someone did it three months later, but yeah, like Scott did it, uh, Scott Jurek and then Carl Meltzer did yeah, it. Carl, and th- I... This new guy, the string bean, man, that guy kicked it ass. Like he's a, <laughs> he, he did really fast. So yeah, there's, there's a couple guys. That's one of those things like, you know, that someday, you know, someday type thing. Like I, I love to, I don't know if I'd get the record, but I'd love just to try to do the trail myself and just yeah. see what it's all about. Cause supposedly, you know, it's, it's, it's one of those life changing things and yeah, it'd be fun to, fun to get to do that. That's cool. So I got two more questions for you. Um, okay. Wh- what's scaring you these days? Are there any things that you like think about or like races you've read about or like even just like non-running things like podcasts or anything else in your life that you thought about? And are slightly scared because a lot of times we'll talk about like, oh, I was nervous to do that. I was, and then we tell the story afterwards. And I, I like asking people, um, is there anything right now that is is something that you're maybe scared or nervous or feels new that uh, it's kind of been mulling around in your mind? Yeah, totally. I mean, I I think um, well, you know, one of the things uh, that I that I have on my radar that. Is and I think that this is actually one of the things that I really uh, try to adhere to. That I really find um, therapeutic is like doing stuff that scares you and and being um, willing to kind of take those chances. And one of the things that I would like to do, and I think that I touched on this earlier, but it, it's to do more um, adventuring in the cold. And so I want to do the Iditarod at some point, okay. like not as a dog musher, but as a runner, you can do it that way too. Um, and so I've talked to some people about that and I basically need to get some more skills to be able to do that. And so I want to try to work on that. Um, and I think that, that if I could do that, that's, that's something that still scares me. It's just 
you know, overcoming that fear of cold. And mm-hmm. uh, each day I try to improve that a little bit more than the day before. But um, and then doing some of these longer, um, longer events, like I'd love to run across the country at some point and the different continents and um, some of the long trails and just seeing how I could um, perform on those kind of um challenges and so like some some of that kind of stuff and then also um you know trying to go and get my olympic trials qualifier again okay um so that's like sub 219 and so like that's something that like i think is possible but like it's also kind of scary because i haven't run that fast in in a while and Mm -hmm. so like just trying to get back and do all the work that you need to do to get there is 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 scary but also like super motivating so like yeah i want i want to do that too like that that's something that i'm kind of fired up about okay very cool um and this is a similar question slightly different but what challenges are you looking forward to next you have do you have a challenge uh specifically on the radar that you're like that's the thing i'm going to do next or a race that is uh, uh you're particularly looking forward to well, I mean, I think if I can get back into Barkley, that's going to be a big challenge. Okay. Um, that'll be um, probably end March, early April, if it if it is typical when it usually is. And then I got back into Hard Rock this year, so I think that'll be a big challenge um, in July. And then I think um, you know trying to run really well. Um, this year and, and to try to get that uh, Olympic trials qualifier time, that would be great. And then I have a race in Costa Rica, the coastal challenge. And the last time I went, I won the race in 2014. So okay. it'd be nice to, nice to try to see if I could repeat again. I know there's a lot of good competition, so, you know, I want to be ready for that. And that's in early February. So um, those are some of the things I'm looking at right now, but you know, if anyone knows anything good, let <laughs> me know, hit, hit me up. Yeah, if you um, if you do Barclays, we'll get you back on here to talk about it afterwards because we actually had uh, some questions about it. But I feel like that's a whole separate discussion that we can get into <laughs> for like an entire <laughs> podcast on its own. And then the other two, they're on my radar. I don't know if you've heard about these two races, but they may be interesting. Um, the Fire and Ice Ultra in uh, Iceland. It's a multi-day. Oh, yeah. I've heard about that. Yep. It's a multi-day race across Iceland. So if you want to get into a multi-day thing, and Iceland's supposed to be amazing. Um, yeah. I'm looking it at is. doing that, so maybe we'll talk. And then uh, there's a Red Bull X Alps Ultra Running slash Paragliding Race, where what? you go from like France to Monaco. And I I don't even know how to paraglide, but I'm like I I, I would like to learn how. And um, it looks awesome. So how do I, you do that? When is it? It's it's in the summer. Um, you need to get paraglide certified, and then I think you need to have like a companion to also like fit. I, I don't know all the details on it, but I've, <laughs> I've looked into it a couple of times. You need to have like a companion to help film and prove that you're going through all the stuff. So you need to have someone who's like on your level of fitness that's flying with you and doing all these things. So it's a, it's a crazy, crazy thing and you have to somehow qualify and, um, I don't know if it's paragliders that got into ultra running or ultra runners that got into paragliding or what the, you know, how they decided to do this, but you go through, you know, basically the Alps and then you end in Monaco. So that is the Uh, thing that I'm like, I'm so looking it up right now. Yeah. So it's it's a multi-day hike and fly adventure. Yeah. 
What? So see, this is just the thing, man. This is like me walking into that store and being like, I didn't even know that was a thing. Yeah, apparently you can just do those things, and that's allowed. Um, that's that <laughs> is awesome. So, oh my god, I I don't think I'm gonna be able to get this approved. <laughs> <laughs> There's some things that I'm not allowed to do until the kids are grown. Uh, uh, like climb all the highest mountains in the world. And yeah. this looks like it might fall into that category of things that, uh, that might not get approved by the, by that the might not, might not get approved, the, but this uh, looks pretty awesome. The paragliding is relatively safe from compared to like base jumping or something like that. But still it's, it's one of those things you need to be, uh, I think there are requirements on what you're, what you're required to, uh, uh, be certified in and, and how long you've been paragliding. So that might be the bigger holdup, but from a, from the hiking and the running aspect, you probably, <laughs> you probably dominate that aspect. So, um, yeah, figured it uh, out. Yeah. You, yeah. I'm looking at the rules. It's, uh, oh my gosh, this looks amazing. Yeah. Dude, <laughs> tell me more stuff like this. All right. Well, we, we can talk more. Um, so I, that's all I've got right now. We can chat more, uh, offline on, uh, um, on races and stuff like that. But, um, in, in the meantime, if anybody wants to find out, you know, what your race schedule is, where they can, um, you know, find out more, if you do the podcast, what are the best places, uh, they can find out more about you at? Yeah, for sure. I mean, you can, uh, go to my website, which I, as you noted, it needs to be updated a little bit, but it's, uh, uh, And then I'm also on, most of the bigger uh, social media platforms. So I'm on Facebook. I have an athlete page. So you just type in like Facebook and then facebook.com slash Michael Wardian. And it's like an athlete page because um, my personal thing is full. And then um, the Twitters and Instagram, I'm at Mike Wardian. So M-I-K-E-W-A-R-D like dog, I-A-N <laughs> like Nancy. And I'll, I'll put all those in the show notes so it's uh, easy to find, guys. Uh, Mike, thanks so much for doing this. Uh, uh, I had a really good time catching up. It's been a, it's been a long time coming, so thanks for making the time for this. Of course, man. Yeah, it's it's so cool to see what you're doing, and thanks for having me on. It was great to catch up and love to share some adventures with you uh, going forward. All right, let's, uh, let's do it again soon. Hey, everybody. Thank you for listening to the show. Another one in the books. If you guys are enjoying the podcast, I'd love it if you went over to iTunes or Google or Stitcher or wherever you're listening to the show and leave us a review and let other people know about the show. It's the best way that we reach more people and help other people change their mindset, change their fitness, push their limits, and do something impossible. All right? If you guys would like to support the show, there's a couple ways you can do that. First of all, head on over to impossiblegear.com, pick up a shirt, pick up some apparel, uh, remind yourself to get comfortable while doing something uncomfortable. Look at the shirt. Remember, it's a reminder to push yourself to do something impossible and then go do some of the stuff that you've been talking about. You can also get Cold Shower Therapy, the app and the course. The course is free. The app is also free, uh, but five minutes of cold showers a day for 30 days. If you're looking to change your mindset, that's the best way you can do it. You're going to find challenges in the shower that you'll be able to apply in other parts of your life. Also, movewellapp.com. 
MoveWell is your daily mobility coach. If you're an athlete looking to get stronger, you're trying to recover from an injury, or you just want to have less pain from sitting down at your desk every day like I do, uh, check it out. It's a free app that gives you mobility routines based on your specific need. If you're trying to do a pre-workout before you want to hit a PR, a post-workout, if you want to recover, or even just post-work to help you loosen up your back, it's a couple bucks a month for you to feel better, get stronger. It's free to download and try out a bunch of routines. When you're pushing your limits, there is no such thing as overtraining, but there is something called under recovery. And if you're not recovering and you're push if you're pushing your limits and you're not recovering, you're doing it wrong. So check out movewellapp.com. All right, that's it for the show. Thanks for listening. And remember, as always, guys, until the next time, keep pushing your limits and do something impossible. Boom. <laughs> <laughs>